0: Because we very appropriately bust into some fucking Thin Mints.
1: No! <laughs> Man down! Enough. Man down! Oh, I'll still eat it. Yeah, I don't eat care. that shit. Ben won't eat it, There's but I would. There's hair on it. Ben's a German folk, but it's cool. Who's my boyfriend. <laughs> Are you a good witch or a bad bitch? I've been a rebel all my life. We will not remain hidden figures. We have names. Oh,
0: if it's naughty to ruse your lips, shake your shoulders, shake your hips, and let a lady confess I want to be bad.
1: (laughs) I didn't kid you, did I? Well, now you know. Hello. Hello. And welcome to Good Witches,
0: Bad Bitches. This is a weekly podcast where we talk about women throughout history. And sometimes we shout about things that make us mad. We, that happens quite frequently. That happens quite frequently, especially when we've had coffee.
1: Yeah, or wine. You're drinking coffee. I'm drinking wine. We're doing the whole combo, doing it, doing it. Did you see Keanu Reeves's latest? Uh, of course you did, because your this one is your boyfriend. The when he got stuck on after yeah, that he flight. got stuck
0: at an airport and he took everyone out and and was a tour guide for them. Yeah. It's so cute. He's the sweetest man. The video is the cutest. I know. I read this story. Like, there was just, like, a whole list of, like, things uh, that people just have only nice things to say about him. It's, like, uh, just nice anecdotes people have about Keanu Reeves. And one of them, and I'm going to probably botch it, but anyway, the basic gist is that this guy saw, guy or girl, I think it was a dude, saw Keanu Reeves at a restaurant, like, across the way. And bought him a drink, like sent over some, like, I don't know, let's say for for posterity, a lemon martini. Like he didn't know the guy, but he was, he's in the business, but he was kind of just like a PA at the time. But he saw Keanu Reeves and he was like, I'm going to send him a lemon martini. That's probably not the drink, but just for the sake of the story. And like, he didn't interact with him. He didn't want to like go over and say hello, but he sent him a drink. And then, you know, Keanu Reeves left. Mm -hmm. He saw him get the drink. He saw him drink the drink and he left and then when the, when he went to go pay the check, Keanu Reeves paid the bill.
1: I knew it. Oh. It keeps going.
0: Though, oh, no. Because this guy I mean, oh, yeah. ends up getting more like jobs in the industry or whatever. And he ends up working on something with Keanu like two years, two and a half years later. <laughs> and he goes up to him and he's like, oh, hey, man, I don't know if you remember me. But, uh, you know, and, and before he can even like finish the sentence, he's like, oh, yeah, you bought me that lemon martini. That was a really good drink. Thanks, man. Like he remembered, <laughs> he remembered for. And there's no reason he didn't know him. He just paid for his. He paid for his meal, and then remembered him two and a half years later. I'm like, how in the fuck? Is, how do you? He's so good. He's true, true good. Like, how can you be so famous for so long and still not be an asshole?
1: Oh, Keanu is just like so pure. I think he's had a lot of trauma, and I think that it has like grounded him in ways that a lot of actors right uh, don't are not grounded and i i hate i hate that that might be the reason that like he's had a lot of traumatic events in his past and and deaths of loved ones Mm. um like like really sad deaths of loved ones and Mm. i i I don't want to attribute like all of it to that because you have to be an inherently good human being. I think just to like always be an inherently good human being, but but I'm sure that that has made him not want a ton to do with like the limelight and you know he's just living his best life and yeah. and being kind and it just is. Ugh, it's why still he's good aging in the world. So well.
0: <laughs> it's He's truly aging very well. And like part of the thing too, it's like if you see the John Wick like trailer, mm-hmm. I, I was so fucking floored by just the num the number of huge stars that are in I was like, what the fuck? I never even heard of this this franchise until recently because of him. And I like I I I didn't realize that it's like Halle Berry, Oscar winner Hall- Halle Berry is going to be in this fucking movie and I'm like, "Why?" And then I go, "Because of Keanu, man." Yeah. Everybody just wants everybody to be his wants buddy. Everybody wants to work with him yeah. because it's like, fuck yeah, huge paycheck, big budget movie, and you get to work on a set that has a really lovely because I promise you in my experience thus far, and you got like you've worked on films and stuff, and obviously like Ben too, but the star of some whatever you're working on will absolutely set the tone for the set. Yes and because people look to them and it's Mm -hmm. interesting to see kind of the responsibility that they carry and it's something I never thought about until I really got a job in the business. Yeah, are you a good witch or a bad bitch?
1: Let us know by becoming a patron on on our our Patreon. Patreon. Oh
0: no. Patreon is a service that helps content creators like ourselves keep the ship going and make sure that we're able to cover all the costs that uh, come along with doing our podcast. And the
1: more patrons we get, hopefully the more content we can start creating exclusively for patrons. Yes. So if you are interested in something like that, please become a patron so that we can start creating that
0: content for you. Also, when you become a patron, you will get a shout out on our podcast and we will thank you personally on air. How exciting is that? Very exciting. Yeah, yeah. You can
1: find us at patreon.com slash GWBB podcast. Can I tell you about a lady? Please. Okay. <coughs> so. Today is April seventeenth. The okay. <laughs> fuck you too, buddy. Okay. So today's what? Today is April seventeenth. The day after your birthday. The day after my birthday. So you're gonna talk about yourself? Well, I thought about it. Uh, no, I actually. So when I was when I was looking for people to do, because I have a lot of people on my list. You know, my potential list. Um, I was like, maybe I should do somebody who was also born on April 16th. And so I was looking up a list and I found, you know, Selena, like that was a pretty good one. But I also didn't love the idea of doing someone who was murdered for like my birthday person. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> so, I, you know, I love but Selena, so great. but yeah, there there was a lot of nuance to that story that I was like, I'm not prepared to tell this right now. And then there were a couple other people that I want to talk about at some point. Again, a little bit more in-depth of a discussion, I think, than I was ready to do. And then I remembered that next Monday, Mm -hmm. the 22nd, is Earth Day. Yeah. And so I wanted to do somebody kind of in honor of Earth Day.
0: I like that. Rikwangari
1: Mathai. Like Wangari Mathai. And in fact, she was on a bunch of lists that I was looking at. And I was like, well, sh- we've already done her. So.
0: She was one of our first episodes. And yes, she was. It, she was still one of my favorite women. That she I was amazing. Researched. Yeah, anyways, yeah. Very appropriate for Earth Day. Yeah.
1: If anyone is interested. Because, yeah, she was amazing. and um, But then I was watching Drunk History. Like you do. As you do. Mm-hmm. And they had a fabulous episode on Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. Oh. Who I did not realize. Like, I had no she, uh, idea. The,
0: she, uh, I've seen this. The, the swamps. Yes, ma'am. Yeah.
1: She, um... <laughs> that was really <laughs> articulate. You're welcome. <laughs> the swamps. Yes. The swamps. The Everglades. The Everglades. Yeah. So I didn't realize that, like, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School was Named, named after
0: an environmentalist?
1: Uh-huh. uh-huh. But... It was. Yep. And um, And so I was like, oh, this is very interesting. I wonder, like, I just wonder about her. And she was a fascinating person. Um, she was a writer, a suffragist, a civil rights advocate. And, of course, most importantly, I think, just for her legacy, she was a conservationist whose advocacy for the preservation of the Everglades is why they're a national park today. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> so um i got my info from a couple different places wilderness.net which did the work of citing several great books for
0: me so i really like the way you said that
1: wilderness.net
0: i liked it better the first time thank you (laughs) Uh, we'll
1: go with that so wilderness.net cited a couple of books that i think i'm sounded really interesting so i'll just list them here in case anyone wants to go find them Um, one is women pioneers for the environment by Mary Joy Breton, American Women Conservationists, by Madeline Holmes, and Women for the Wild, by Mary Ann Pine, P-E-I-N-E. I'm going to go with Pine. That that sounds right. And then I, of course, used Wikipedia. Wikipedia had a lot of really great information on her, actually. Wild. Um, Which, yeah. I mean, usually they're my last stop,
0: rather (laughs) (coughs) rather than
1: my first. Yeah.
0: Because um, it also tends to be very clinical, and it's hard. It, yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. Right. But I, I really liked this first yeah. paragraph. I really liked this first paragraph of "Conservation is now a dead word," which is a book um, that I will link to, or an article, sorry, that I will link to in the show notes um, if I can find the whole thing. But the first paragraph is just great, and it kind of gives a good idea of like what her life's work culminated to. Yeah. So it goes. The mood of the assembly was as hostile as the evening was hot. Marjorie Stoneman Douglas was the Marjory Stoneman Douglas. The last speaker of the night was accustomed to both crowded in the high school auditorium were several hundred landowners from an East Everglades community that owed its existence to levees and drainage canals. Mm. Um, to those in attendance, Douglas was quote the antichrist. Mm. Uh, yeah. A sentimental environmentalist. Whoa say that 10 times fast sentimental environment <laughs> who is willing to trade <clears throat> their livelihoods and their homes to save birds and alligators and snakes uh go back to <coughs> russia granny someone shouted Whoa. when her time came to speak uh-huh. i'm sorry what is I think, she from russia no i think it was a comment on like communism uh communists blah blah blah. socialism then who, just
0: say you know. go to russia granny <laughs> go back
1: I mean... Dummies are really uh, uh, uncreative, though. Agreed. Um, Against an eruption of boos and jeers, the 91-year-old Douglas... What? 91. uh, Moved confidently down the center aisle to have her say before the county commissioners. Oh, my God. Her task that night was to persuade the commission to limit construction on 155,000 acres of privately held land, Uh quote, "of of critical environmental concern
0: right
1: some people in the audience were appropriately defensive for douglas the sanctified grandmother of the everglades was known for capturing the ear of policymakers and indeed the hearts of the american people after pulling the microphone down to her five foot frame (laughs) she waited for a break in the escalating noise you damn butterfly chaser came a voice from above the din Apparently that's a big insult. Sure. Um finally she said, Look, I'm an old lady. I've been here since eight o'clock. It's now eleven. I've got all night and I'm used to the heat. Ooh. Mm-hmm. In the end, the commissioners voted the way of the environmentalists. What year was that? That so she was ninety one years old, so I don't actually know. Let's see. She was born in uh eighteen ninety. Math is not our strong suit. Nineteen eighty one.
0: Yeah, you're
1: correct. So that segues nicely into the rest of her life. Marjorie Stoneman, Marjorie Stoneman, not Douglas, yet. Marjorie Stoneman was born April 7th, 1890. Um, And she was the only child of her parents. One was a concert violinist. Her mom and her dad was like kind of a failed entrepreneur. Okay. Okay. And so, when her parents separated when she was six, she went to live with her mom because her dad really just didn't know what to do. He didn't know what his career was going to be, how to make money, et cetera. Got and it. So, she went with her mom to Massachusetts and she lived there with her mom, her aunt, and her grandparents, all of whom basically sat around and talked shit about her dad all day, <laughs> which <laughs> feels like really sad and awful. And she kind of credits that upbringing, her very tense and stressful upbringing with like a lot of the reasons that she ended up becoming a skeptic and a dissenter about a lot of things for the rest of her life interesting her mom spent a lot of time in and out of sanatoriums oh oh no (laughs) i think at that time well you could
0: basically be put into those things for any reason
1: exactly especially if you were a woman Um, so, yeah, but, but it was just very, like, not, it just wasn't super steady. Okay. Um, but she loved reading, she loved writing, she contributed to a very popular children's publication of the day when she was 16. Aw. I know. She wrote short stories and submitted them to magazines and they published them and that's great. And in 1908, she went to college and was, like, a straight-A student. She was super involved with all of her, you know extracurriculars and that was really the first time she discovered um the suffragist movement and she joined she was one of the first members of the first suffrage club at oh. wellesley college wellesley wellesley oh yeah it's just one of those dumb <laughs> words that doesn't sound the way it's spelled yeah and exactly But if you don't connect the dots then you're not going to connect the dots right um so her mom died of breast cancer during her senior year, which kind of set the tone for her for the next few years of her life. Like she kind of just drifted for a long time. She Like right out of college? Yeah, um, she was like, ah, "Fuck, you know, I'm I'm mourning and I feel weird about life. I don't know what right. to do with myself." I mean,
0: yeah. <laughs> As you and I we both usually know. usually do after college anyway, but especially if you lose a parent at that time. Yes, exactly. As you're your only parent. Your only parent, really,
1: because you haven't seen your dad since your parents separated. Right. And he's off doing his own thing. And then she met Kenneth Douglas in 1914.
0: Ooh, I know what's going to happen. You
1: know, she maybe married him a little bit. Um, he was, he told her that he was a newspaper editor. Whoa. And he was 30 years her senior. Whoa! Yeah. But she was. Whoa! She was so impressed with his manners and she was surprised at the attention that he showed her that she married him within three months of knowing him. And what? She was like 23? In 1914. She was. She graduated college in 1912. So she was like 20. 24? Wait, yeah. Didn't you say she was born in 1890? Yes yeah math not my strong suit yeah 24 ish 24
0: marrying a man who was 55 who
1: was ish uh-huh cool um yeah three months after meeting him and <laughs> what I, I know it bums me out because well i really
0: that was so common back then though i mean well, just people getting married quick people getting married quick
1: i know but what bums me out is that she was like that she professed to being so surprised at his attention that she was like I'll marry you because you're paying attention to me. And that sucks. That makes me so sad. Like I didn't I don't know. I know I get it. The marriage I'm picking quickly, up what you're
0: throwing down. Yeah.
1: The marriage failed pretty quickly. Because <laughs> I'm she so, discovered I'm so that he was a con artist. Oh no Yeah. That was why I phrased it that way that he told her he was a newspaper editor. I knew that you were going to do something with that. Mm, Yeah. So. Chekhov's gun moment. Yeah. Bad shit. He was a con artist. He was a bad dude. He was still married to someone else. (gasps) Yeah. And he uh, went to prison at one point for writing, trying to pass a bad check. And it must have been a big, big check. But she stayed faithful to him until she found out that he was cooking up a scheme to, like, scam her dad because her estranged
0: her estranged
1: father and her uncle frank stoneman finally stepped in and he was like all right this is this is getting to be ridiculous like you need to end this this marriage this is fucking bullshit enough is enough get out and she did thank god and frank her uncle um persuaded her to move to miami And in the fall of 1915, she left New England to be reunited with her father, who was there and whom she had not seen since her parents' separation.
0: Sorry, now I have Miami by Will Smith stuck in my head.
1: Oh, you dance. Dance, girl, dance. Shortly before she arrived, her father had remarried and his new wife became one of her best friends. So it was very nice. Like, she got to Florida and, you know, she reunited with her dad. She became good friends. Party in the city where the heat is
0: on. Oh, yes, ma'am. All night on the beach till the break of dawn. <laughs> <laughs> <Hey. Miami. laughs> Bienvenido, a Miami. Keep going. That's yeah, that's it. That's all you need. Mm. OK. So she
1: arrived in South Florida.
0: <laughs> I'm so sorry. I when fewer
1: this. than 5,000 people lived in Miami, which is like crazy to me. It was like yeah. a little bitty town. Mm-hmm. And um, her dad had just started the Miami Herald. Oh, yeah! So he finally like found his passion. He was like, "I'm gonna be a newspaper dude, and I'm gonna start this this newspaper."
0: But he's gonna do it for real, unlike her dumbass husband.
1: Unlike her dumbass husband. And so she joined the newspaper staff in 1915, and she began as a society columnist writing about tea parties and society events. Right. Because she was, like, the only woman on the staff. Whatever. She, She herself has said, yes, it was nepotistic of me to join the Miami Herald's writing team, like... Of course, I was just I was yeah.
0: Where was she going to get a job otherwise, as a, a newspaper writer? Right.
1: Yeah. Exactly. They
0: weren't going to hire her as a woman. Of course, he hired her because she was his daughter. But where, where else was she? Be? Whatever. Yeah. She yeah. had no opportunity elsewhere. I'm exactly,
1: sure. and she would. Just, she didn't have really like any experience yet. So you know, yeah. Um, but she was given an assignment in 1916 to write a story on the first woman from Miami to join the U.S. Naval Reserve. Whoa. And when the woman didn't show up for the interview, she ended up just joining the Navy herself. She, like, went to go interview with this woman who didn't show up. And she was like, well, while I'm here, I may as well join the Navy. What the fuck? <laughs> while I'm here? Yeah. Might as well. I might as well just do it. I mean, obviously, World War I was happening at the time. Yeah. And so there was a need. Yeah. It's true. But <laughs> she did hate it. <laughs> she hated getting up early. Her superiors did not appreciate the fact that she corrected their grammar all the time. <laughs>
0: It's a wealthy girl. <laughs> yes,
1: ma'am. And she got so fed up that she requested a discharge, which they gave her. And she went and joined the American Red Cross and they stationed her in Paris.
0: Ooh la la. Yeah.
1: So she witnessed a lot of shit.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and she cared for war refugees and basically seeing them displaced and and in a state of shock, she wrote, it helped me understand the plight of refugees in Miami 60 years later.
0: Ooh. Ooh. hmm Interesting. Yes.
1: She was, like, super, like, on the up and up. She just fucking got it. You know what I mean? Yeah. After the war, she went back to the Miami Herald, this time as an assistant editor, and she started a daily column called The Galley, which became really popular, and she became kind of a local celebrity. And she promoted responsible urban planning when Mi- when miami saw a population boom right she wrote about supporting women's suffrage civil rights and better sanitation and she also opposed prohibition and foreign trade tariffs what yeah man and she did all of this in her very very popular column that like everybody read she became kind of like a local celebrity in a way As Douglas presented it, it was more than just the land that needed to be cared for and looked out for. She wrote about the need for running water and sewage treatment in the burgeoning frontier city.
0: Right. She wrote,
1: yeah. She wrote (laughs) for equal treatment and services in the African American sections of Miami, for infant and child nutrition, and for city parks that preserved native plants as well as open space.
0: Cause she's very ahead of her time.
1: She was so ahead of her time. And I love, like, she was super blunt. And she really didn't take shit from people, like, ever. <laughs> and in um, 1922, she wrote, We want civilization for South Florida. And when we say that, we do not mean electric lights and running hot and cold water, as you know. We want a place where the individual can be as free as possible, where the life of the community is rich and full and beautiful, where all the people, unhandicapped by misery, can go forward together to those ends which man dimly guessed for himself. Because we are pioneers, we have dared to dream that South Florida can be that sort of place if we all want it badly enough.
0: Oh, that's so sweet.
1: I know. She just really believed in people and like their civil liberties and the fact that everybody should have their, you know, should have rights. <laughs> and
0: a beautiful place. And to a beautiful place feel to feel live.
1: Safe. Yeah. And she she ended up leaving the Herald after a couple of years to become a freelance writer. And she was a freelance writer for seventy years. No kidding. Nineteen twenty to nineteen ninety. What? She wrote a fuck ton like nonfiction, fiction she even wrote one-act plays what yeah and her protagonists were generally independent quirky women or youthful underdogs who encountered social or natural injustices okay i know um and Mind it, blown. it's like yeah she was just kind of doing her own her own thing and in 1928 Douglas was on an exploratory trip to the Everglades with Ernest Coe, who I'm not entirely sure who he was, like, why okay. he was important. Okay. I should probably should have looked that up. But he, she was with him in the Everglades. Um, he, he like, convinced her to go and see them so that she would understand their plight. Uh-huh. Because a lot of development companies were going in and trying to, like, drain the swamp. Heh. Um, and build it like they really wanted to create huge developments in in the everglades on the everglades money greed and so ernest Coe was like hey you're a great writer you should come with me on a trip to the everglades and just see what it's about and just see like and write about it yeah see what it is they want to pave over and write about it um so she went and let's see i'm missing my spot she went with a bunch of people The expedition was meant to determine the feasibility of protecting the Everglades as a national park. And so while the group was staying aboard a houseboat in the Everglades, a man wrote up to say that as soon as the committee left, her committee, all the egrets in that area were gonna be killed by poachers. Yeah. No! The members of the committee went directly to the hunters, but as soon as they left, the adult birds were killed no As as the guy said, and the young were left to die in the Florida heat. Boo! And she said, I think that it was the death of those birds that had that most convinced the commission that this area must be protected as a national park. Interesting. Because it was just like it was so clear that it had a really diverse ecosystem and people were just going in there with their fucking guns killing shit in there, killing things for fun, for fun or for pelts or for hat, you know, plumage or whatever and wreaking havoc on this very delicate ecosystem. Right. And so she worked for 13 years from that point to make the Everglades, the Everglades National Park, I should say, a reality. And even though Florida agreed to make it a protected area like, she and Ernest Co. went to the, the government, and they were like, can you do this? And they were like, yeah, all right, fine. But it, <laughs> it was nearly 20 years before the Everglades officially became a national park. Like, wow. protected enough that it was safe from development forever. Wow. And she was working on her own novel in 1941 when, uh, and 1941, between 1928 and 1941. Like, she, working on a novel? She was doing, she was, like, going to the Everglades, seeing what it was all about, working on her own shit. And someone came to her and said, hey, why don't you write a book about the Everglades? And she was like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. I think I'll do that. And she wrote (laughs) um, The Everglades, River of Grass, which was published in 1947. And it became a huge bestseller. People loved this book. And it dealt largely with the construction of the, I'm going to butcher this word, Tamiami, Tamiami Trail, Um, the main highway that was built around and through the the Everglades in her time. In the same year that her book was published, the Everglades were finally made a national park. Thank the Lord. (laughs) It's like, it's crazy that she worked that hard for that long to get them a protected status. And it was finally like, all right, I'm going to write this book. It's going to sell out. And people are finally going to understand what we've been fighting for. Right. So that book was published when she was 57.
0: I love th- all the people that you've been doing recently who like have really big achievements. When they're older? When they're middle aged at least. Yeah,
1: that's true. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. But that is true. I mean, she, she, like like many of us, as you said, she wandered around after college, ha- like having no clue what to do with her life and married a fucking con man. You know? Say something else. Oh, God. What, were you, what was I going to say? Doesn't matter. Okay. Cunt. <laughs> yeah. Um, she, un- it was just unimportant. <laughs> she married a cunt. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was just like, she. this was all really important to her, and it was always important to her. So it was worth fighting for even when she was getting older. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so her second career as an activist and a spokeswoman and the, quote, grand dame of conservation (laughs) spanned the next 51 years. Wow. Her name was well known, first in Florida conservation circles and then nationally. And she continued to write even as her eyesight failed, even uh, as she became a sought after speaker on conservation issues she helped defeat proposals to build an airstrip in the middle of the fucking Everglades.
0: <laughs> to what end?
1: They wanted to. I remember. Um, I remember this. They wanted to build a huge airport in the Everglades, and it was going to be on par with like the other, the world's biggest, most glamorous airports. That well, was the idea. That was but the plan. Why? Because they wanted to be on par with those cities. They wanted to be known for something like yeah, but that. Why,
0: be, why in a fucking national park?
1: Because it was the most, it was the largest. It's exotic? Like what? I think because it was the largest un, like, well, I don't know. I actually don't know the answer to that question. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe because it's exotic. <laughs> Who knows? Um. She helped defeat proposals to build an airstrip in the middle of the Everglades to further redirect the water that flowed through the grasslands, and she helped work toward the restoration of the natural ecosystem. Yay! Douglas founded Friends of the Everglades in 1969. She founded the group because she felt that her opinions on conservation, restoration, and preservation would have more weight if they came from a group rather than from her. Right. One individual person. Okay. However, it was predominantly her forceful personality, like my fucking cat, that supporters and government officials responded to. She said, I'm an old lady. I've got white hair. I've been around here forever, and no one can afford to be rude to me. And don't think I don't take advantage of that. I say outrageous things and get away with it all the time. I would, too. Dude, yeah. That's me as an old lady. Oh, my God. 100%. Like... You might not be this crotchety, but I hope you are. Through all of her work... (laughs) You like that? Yeah. Through all of her work, Douglas intensified regional, national, and international understanding on the singularity of the South Florida ecosystem. In her lifetime, it went from a wilderness on the brink of irreparable development to a national park, a wetland of international significance, an international biosphere preserve, and a legislatively designated wilderness area.
0: Can you imagine...
1: I can't. Being like almost I mean, I won't say single-handedly responsible, but the way she wrote about it,
0: she certainly made it her life's work.
1: It and the Everglades are a they're not just a swamp, you know? Like they're an area that has a lot to teach us about ecosystems. It's it has a river a, of grass. It's a river of grass. It's a very um, unique ecosystem. Yeah. And it's it's important to preserve that. Right. Um so yeah, Nice or not, Douglas put the Everglades on the map in terms of conservation. Yay! Her fierce dedication to the land brought her great satisfaction and renown, obviously. President Bill Clinton awarded her the Medal of Freedom in 1993. All right. Saying, beyond Florida, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas is a mentor for all who desire to preserve what we Southerners affectionately call a sense of place and mrs douglas the next time i hear someone mention the timeless wonders and powers of mother nature i will be thinking of you all right bill yeah she lived to be a hundred and eight
0: i was gonna ask she was so old so, oh my god that, so she died in 98 1998 uh-huh
1: her spirit and tenacity helped to salvage the everglades from the near certain destruction they faced Uh, When she stepped off the train in Miami in 1915, her life and work also inspired others to look for the wild places in their own backyards and bioregions and to fight for the preservation and restoration. As she said, be a nuisance where it counts. But don't be a bore at any time. Word. (laughs) Do your part to inform and stimulate the public to join your action. Be depressed, discouraged and disappointed at failure and the disheartening effects of ignorance, greed and corruption, but never give up.
0: Uh I needed to hear that.
1: I that's kind of why I included it. I was like, oh yeah, we do. Like we sh- we should like feel okay with being depressed and disappointed. Like shit right now sucks. It's depressing and disappointing. It's just depressing and disappointing. There's a lot of ignorance, greed and corruption. Mm-hmm. Um but never give up. So Douglas never gave up the good fight to the great benefit of all those who enjoy public lands and wild places in all the would-be forgotten corners of the country. Which, of
0: course, Trump's trying to destroy. Don't let him do it. No, but we won't. We won't. Um, that Um, is Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. Fucking A. That woman almost lived in two, three, nope, three centuries. Mm-hmm. She was born in... 1890 1890
1: and lived almost to the new century but yeah i when i was when i was looking for someone to do oh no, what did i do and i found her name i was kind of like i don't know anything about her and of course as i was researching her the only thing that came up was the shooting which obviously is very important worth talking about even now but i think knowing why it's called that is also important like i think i it's agree. i think I, it's super interesting that this school who has a civil rights and like environmentalist activist as their name as its namesake is like also the school that produced these kids who survived the shooting and came
0: out of it with being activists yeah Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: yes i said that really poorly but yeah exactly i think it's really fascinating i know i'm so distracted by this cat right now
0: he's lost his mind
1: but i think it's really important i agree you know yeah her her legacy lives on even in the kids who go to the school that is her namesake
0: oh my god that's beautiful i know that's so significant i know yeah yeah goosebumps okay.
1: okay let me give you some on this day
0: please give me some on this day
1: so it is april 17th day after my birthday hey <laughs> A um, couple days before Earth Day, which is April 22nd. So. We're not the
0: same age anymore. I know. Shh. April 17th,
1: 1397. Whoa. Geoffrey Chaucer tells the Canterbury Tales for the first time. No fucking way. Way. Tells them? Yeah. Tells them at the court of English King Richard II. Ah! Ah! Yep. Allowed. Richard
0: Second. He was a real fop.
1: You would know you do like royalty and I don't. Oh,
0: uh, bitch, that's Shakespeare. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. But yeah, that's I only know that because Shakespeare, not because I've researched that far back know, into English royalty. I know, I'm you.
1: 1861, Virginia secedes from the Union. Bye. Uh, 1964. Jerry Mock becomes the first woman to fly solo around the world.
0: Whoa. Yeah.
1: Um, What? What? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. That late? 1964. Okay. 1969, People's Democracy activist Bernadette Devlin becomes the youngest woman member of parliament ever elected to Westminster at 21 years old.
0: Wow. That's really young.
1: 1993, two Los Angeles police officers convicted in federal court of violating Rodney King's civil rights. Well, good. Yeah. That was really fucked up. I know. Last one, because I thought ending on this would be um, that you and Ben would appreciate this. 2011, Game of Thrones, the TV show based on the fantasy novels by George R.R. Martin premieres on HBO. Haha, 2011. I didn't realize it had been on that long, really? Really? I did
0: not know.: It's a, a wild ride, man. Now last season, here we are.: That's it, man. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs>
0: Thank you very much.
1: I appreciate that. Uh, what are you excited about?
0: Yeah, by the time this episode airs, it will have been a second since this happened, but uh, I got to go see um, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Yes, you did. Which is something I've been dying to see for a very long time. And um, it was fucking great. I don't know. It's it's just one of those, you know, obviously, as everybody's well aware, I'm a massive Harry Potter nerd. And um, it's a show that didn't, when I read the script, I was like, this is like fan fiction. What in the hell? But then actually seeing it performed, I was like, Oh, oh, no, here come the tears. It was just like crying all the time. And it really, it feels like, you know, interesting exploration of characters that we are familiar with in new situations. Parenting and yeah. careers and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, fascinating to see the struggles that Harry Potter has as a parent, as a person who never really had an example
1: Hmm.
0: Of parents. So I think that that's like a, a job that is more terrifying to him than a defeating job. Voldemort. You know what I mean? Yeah, really because he's he's just more lost and he doesn't have anyone to guide him. like Dumbledore hmm. guided him through, you know. well, that's so sad. I mean, it it was interesting and it and it was just really funny to see the dynamics. Um, the there an actor that um I worked with at the Colorado Shakespeare Festival is in the new cast playing Ron, was mm-hmm. so it was really fun to get to see him do that, and the dynamic between um Ron and Hermione is obviously fantastic, um, and they they get the opportunities to play with different situations and how they interact. I really am just going to be super vague because I don't want to give anything away. That's fair. Um, but they're just really funny. And um, the the technical effects were just stunning. Uh, it's one of those shows that as a person who's performed on stage and n- knows how scary it can be if a technical element doesn't go quite right, this show is like so many significant tech moments that if they don't go right, then... The plot can't move forward, you know? Yeah. Like they ha—they take Polyjuice Potion and they're like, it's just a very simple sort of like transformation between, but they do it on stage in the, the light. That's really cool. Where it's like they just do choreography and manage to change actors. I like that. In the light. Yeah, that's cool. In a way that's, in, you know, elicited applause when it was finished. Like, it's really cool to see. And, and I, there's this effect where the entire stage looks like it wobbles. Huh? Like, there's a sound effect plus some sort of lighting effect that makes it look like it goes like... Oh. And you, as the audience member, are like, what the fuck? Because it just looks like the entirety of the stone columns are, like, shaking. For real. It live? looks like they're actually shaking. Live tech effects are
1: are one of the best things about like seeing theater yeah. live.
0: Yeah. I think. But if you get the chance, you should. Sleep. I know. I should. Because there are good Slytherins in it.
1: I love good Slytherins. Yeah. Because I'm a good Slytherin. You are. Thank you. Girl, let's go eat some Thin Mints.
0: Hell yeah, Juliet Gordon Lowe.
1: Yes, Juliet Garden Low. Thank you for making Thin Mints a possibility. Mm mm We love you.
0: And thank you for making Thin Mints vegan, Girl Scouts. I don't uh, even th- it's just one of those things I think are accidentally vegan. Probably. Yeah, like Although Oreos. Although I think maybe they didn't used to be. I don't know. Anyway, either way, they're delicious mm-hmm. and they're vegan. And we're going to go eat them. Uh, Follow us on social media. Yeah, leave us a review.
1: Become to- our patron
0: on Patreon if you want. Or if you want to do a one-time donation, donate to our Ko-Fi. All those links are in our show notes. You know the drill. You know the drill. You know what we like. You know what makes us happy. All right. All right. Go do those things. Go do those things, and we will love you forever, we promise. Peace out, witches. Bye.
1: Thank you for listening to Good Witches, Bad Bitches. Thank you so
0: much for listening. We really appreciate it.
1: Good Witches, Bad Bitches is hosted by Deanna Greif. Me. You. And you. (laughs) Hannah Ferguson
0: and we're produced by Benjamin Garst
1: um, you can find us on iTunes Stitcher Spotify Google Play Google
0: Play pretty much more. anywhere you listen to your podcasts you can find us there we're also on social media you can find us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook GWBB Podcast you can also email us at gwbbpodcast@gmail.com. At gmail.com we love to receive emails if you have a story about a woman in your life that you want to hear on air uh, shoot it over to us we would love to read it. If you want to help keep us running, you can find us on
1: Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast.
0: <laughs> Become a patron and help us you know pay for our hosting yeah patreon really helps content creators be able to continue to create their content and it just kind of helps us break even on the costs of producing this podcast and it would be really awesome if you wanted to help out if you like it you can be a part of it also to help us out you can rate
1: review and subscribe all the all of those things are extremely helpful for us they help other listeners find us Yeah, word of mouth, also good. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Our website is gwbbpodcast.com. You can find all of our episodes there as well as some other things bubbling out of our witchy cauldron. Good Witches, Bad Bitches is powered by Moon Moon Bounce. Bounce.